Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Hey, after you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real life friends and podcasting virtuosos Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents. If you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I parent when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh shit. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in the still unnamed studios with my still needing a nickname producer, Tony Thaxton. Hello. Hello. Also with us is very, very famous person, Joey Fatone. Stop it. You know him from... In sync, the masked singer, Me. dancing with the stars, mm. my big fat Greek wedding, my big fat Greek life, my big fat Greek wedding too. He was on Broadway starring in Rent and Little Shop of Horrors. He hosts too many game shows to mention, but one of them is Price is Right Live in Vegas, which mm-hmm. I, I need to hear about. I was doing that a while, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to know how that works. He, now he has a podcast with his longtime manager, Joe Mulvihill, called mm-hmm. Two Cups of Joe. Yep. He's also done a bunch of stuff for the Food Network crazy just reading your credits i'm exhausted i feel exhausted just listening to you <laughs> which Are, is good thing i guess I, I guess people tell me i haven't sucked so far i guess that's the best thing about it really the, the best way to put it into it because i'm still doing stuff which is right good, right know? but are you um do you take time off hell yeah uh, my, my manager would tell me all the time, I'm always trying to take vacations everywhere. I, I, like every time I do one thing, I have to have a vacation afterwards. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do take time off, which is nice. You know, it, it happens in spurts, I guess I would say mm-hmm. for me. And I'm kind of happy about that. It's right. not like back in the day with NSYNC where it's like, you know, go, 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 go all the time, 24 seven. Now it's kind of like I could pick and choose and have fun and you know, that kind of thing, which is nice. And very, very nice. you're hosting a game show called Common Knowledge yep. and you just filmed, did you say 30 episodes? 130 episodes. Oh my yeah. God. In six days? Six, no, six shows a day, 130 okay. episodes for four weeks we did. We crammed them all in about four weeks at 130 episodes, which is one of the things I'm, I mean, I've done shows and I've done a lot, but doing six shows a day, that's... It's a lot. I ain't gonna lie. That's a lot. <laughs> How do you stay present the whole time? Oh, sh- I don't. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the hard, yeah, that that's the hard part. I don't. Um, I think it's one of those things where sometimes it is automatic pilot or there are times where like the fourth or fifth show I start doing, oh my gosh, my brain just turns to crap. Total mush. Yeah. Because then it becomes the prompt. It becomes just words and they don't even look. Uh, there's no inflection in the words. Or the right. Sentence. It's it's a little tough, but as I started getting more and more used to it, you just kinda of buckle down and kinda of yeah. go on automatic pilot really, if you will. But the only different that the only thing that's different for me is the questions, which is a lot of them every every time. Uh the people and the categories really mm-hmm. is what it is. Everything else is the same as far as knowing the game role, how is this played, this, this, this. So it's it's been fun though. Right. And now we're in uh, season two. Did the first season we did sixty five episodes. This time we did hundred and thirty. Who the hell knows what we're going to do after this? Hopefully how did you, not a whole lot. How did you learn how to read teleprompter? Because if people don't know, it's like oh, a very sucked. specific yeah. skill. Um, I, I think a lot of practice, though. Definitely a lot of practice. Um, but it, it is one of those things where I think the first time I ever really read a prompter was a a, a, a game show, like that game show. I don't know what it was called. It was like before even American Idol came out. It was like a reality competition show called Fame, mm-hmm. and it was based oh, yeah. upon the idea yes. of the TV show. But Debbie Allen was one of the one of the hosts and the judges. I think, uh, gosh, who was it? Carrie. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, there was a couple. Of people. No, no, no. Who was what? Johnny Wright was one of the judges, I believe. A couple. It was a couple of people. It was interesting. The people that were the judges on it. But however, it was like a triple threat show where they had to sing, they had to dance, and they had, I guess, act or whatever. And I was one of the hosts, and I remember reading the prompter being absolutely terrible. <laughs> it was like, so, this is fame. Hope you have a great time. <laughs> yeah. 
And you're like, oh my God, I was like total ass. And I, and I watched it and I was like, geez. But then of course, just like anything, as you get better and better, the more, the more repetition. And I think one of the things that's, I think is definitely difficult that actually one of the, one of the guys that's like one of the producers that are on the show that I'm doing for common knowledge now is certain words. Hey, we're all normal. We're all human. I don't know how to pronounce certain damn words. I don't know how to read things certain times. I'm pronouncing it differently. It could be Chopin, but I'm reading it chopping. You know, crap like that. <laughs> right. So he helps me out. And it's weird. He goes, you're like one of the only people I know, a few of the people that I'll be reading the sentence and reading it out loud. And as one of the words is coming up that he needs to help me out phonetically, he says it in the middle of as I'm saying the sentence and I'm able to pick it up. Mm. I don't know how the hell I do it, but I do it. And then I'm also hearing sometimes he says the it director, in your ear. he says it in my ear. So I'll be like saying, you know, say for instance, the word is farfanugan. And I'll be like, so hey, so how about that? He'll go farfanugan and jump in right before I even say it oh, that's nice. to kind of help me out, which yeah. is really nice because... I'm reading, like I said, four, gosh, I think I read out of the season, it was like 6,280-something questions oh I had God. to read. And as I'm, again, reading them, it just becomes mush. Do you retain the answers? Hell no. So you're, you're no <laughs> sometimes, Alex Trebek Yeah, right now. <laughs> no. Sometimes they'll ask me, they'll be like, oh, what about this one? I'm like, uh. Or I'll, I'll remember one or two, maybe it left an impact or it was funny what the answer was that somebody else might have said right. or whatever. That's when it will trigger me to remember. But you asked me some of those questions right now. I couldn't even tell you the answers to them. <laughs> Did you? So you grew up in Orlando. No, Pretty you're much. born in Brooklyn. Born in Brooklyn, but I grew up, I grew up, like, I moved when I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Went to, uh, from eighth grade, actually eighth grade to Orlando. Was in middle school, eighth grade, and then went to high school from, yeah, ninth grade to senior year, graduated in Orlando. So yeah, I mean, a good chunk of my life definitely was in right. Orlando. And then you were working at Universal Studios. Doing a Beetlejuice graveyard review show. Funny enough, that's how I met Joe Mobile. Right. One of my, one of my boys that's now my manager and does all my other stuff with me so yeah me and him worked together when i was 17 what was he doing there he was beetlejuice i was a werewolf (laughs) i didn't know he was a performer yeah he was he he it was funny because he used to he was actually really big uh big in sports Mm -hmm. baseball player actually was was very good at pitching uh screwed up his arm and tried to figure out do other things and he went to college but then all of a sudden he started doing like arts and not even so much theater, but it was more like stuff of like just obviously to work and to pay bills and stuff like that. But then he found that new love for that kind of stuff and then became for, as far as like even carrying my bags with sync. He actually helped me and worked with me for a while. Then he became my manager and that's how that thing trickled. Now he manages myself and boys to men a couple of the clients, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's fun. So you were performing at Universal Studios. When did you realize you wanted to perform? Oh gosh, probably when I was in New York, when I lived in New York. My dad was always like heavily into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in a 50s kind of 60s doo-wop group called the Orions, nothing really big. They weren't they didn't make any records in that sense or performance popular or on TV. But however, always loved music. Me and my sister was always into the arts in that sense. There was no theater program or anything else in the school that I was in. It was a Catholic school in Brooklyn, New York. And my dad decided to put on plays to raise money for the church and all that stuff for them. So they were like, oh, cool. So my dad was heavily in the arts, and that's kind of how I got influenced into it. And then when I moved to Florida, there was things as chorus classes and drama class and all this other stuff. I was like, ooh, this is cool. And that's kind of how I attach myself to all that other stuff because I just love doing it. Were you known as someone who... Like before NSYNC, were you known as someone who was really good at singing and dancing? Um, yeah, not not like oh my god, he's absolutely amazing, amazing. But yeah, I mean, we we did a lot of shows in in high school. Um, our our school became a theater magnet program, uh, for the arts, which I thought was obviously really really kind of cool. It was like I think it was my senior year that it finally was the official magnet program, though. Mm-hmm. But I think we were like the guinea pigs when we first started doing. It, I think because I was taking all these different classes and then realized that didn't really work. You couldn't take a dance class, a chorus class, and a drama class all at the same time because after school, everybody wanted you. So how do you distinguish the two? I think they got it now more down to a science. But back then it was like, all right, you know, you, you can carry a tune. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty darn good. You know, we'll put you in, you know, co-leads and leads when I was a senior year. Obviously, you have to earn your keep as you're in, you know, high school unless mm-hmm. you're a really great actor. But, you know, we had a really good drama teacher. You know, she taught Wesley Snipes. She taught myself. She taught Wayne Brady. Um, even it's amazing how especially my high school how many people and celebrities have come out of that high school which is really bizarre mm-hmm. you have the the walks of myself uh dj khaled same grade same same school as i was in luis fonzi the guy that did despacito the spanish mm-hmm. kid mm-hmm. i was in an acapella group with him when i was in ninth grade um aj brzezinski baseball player johnny damon baseball player uh one of the head editors of conan o'brien which is a guy named rob ash same year as me we have some agents, uh, guys that are on Broadway. So it's crazy. All these different people that came out of that high school. Yeah. Weird. What's I don't the name understand of the school? It. Dr. Phillips. Dr. Phillips High School was the, was the school we went, we went to. And it was crazy. All of us went to the same school. Wayne yeah. Brady, all of us. It's weird. Odd. <laughs> 
And who who did you know of all those people you just mentioned? All those people all I them? mentioned, yeah. Uh, I knew, well, AJ Brzezinski was in the same year. DJ Cow was the same year. Fonzie was my boy, same year. Um, I think Johnny Damon was the only mm-hmm. one, but Joe, my manager, went to the same high school I went to too as well. So he knew Johnny because they yeah. were in the same grade and they knew each other. Did you like high school? So I did, yeah. I think I, yeah. I, you know, not so much the ever, the regular class. <laughs> right. I was always screwing up. I almost didn't graduate because my English teacher was my drama teacher mm-hmm. and I had to do a uh, term paper and I didn't even do it. I was just awful. I just, I, I don't know. I just, certain things with writing and stuff just not go well with me for mm-hmm. some odd reason. And she's like, you know, you're failing and you know, you're not going to graduate. And I'm like, okay, well, then I guess I got to figure something out. She goes, yeah, you should take night school. I went, okay. So my drama teacher, though, my English class was first grade and my drama teacher was, my drama class was second uh, class, second period. Same teacher. First, first period, I didn't show up. Every day after that, she goes, why are you not showing up? I go, I don't have to take your class. I'm taking night school. What does it matter what, what I do right now after that? She wasn't happy with that. Um, <laughs> right. And then it's always funny when she tells all the kids a story how, you know, I got kicked out of a play. You know, it's almost like, let that be a lesson to you that even though I may kick you out, you still could be, you know, it's weird. She was one of those teachers that almost kind of had to swallow her, you know, her tongue a little bit to be like, well, you know, I kicked this kid out of a couple of plays, but look what he became. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I'm like, yeah, you remember you almost didn't let me graduate because I was failing your class. But what lesson did you learn from all that? Um, do shit on your own. <laughs> right. I feel like you didn't learn the lesson that she was trying to teach, or maybe you did. It, well, it, well it, I think it was in a sense of literally I had to do it, or mm-hmm. else I wasn't going to graduate. If I just would have just slacked it completely and not take that night class and not show up every night to be there and do the things that I had to do, which I think was a lot more easier for me because I knew I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? At that time when you're like, oh, yeah, whatever, I can get the credit. You know, this and that you're thinking in your head. That's what I was thinking. And all of a sudden she's like, well, you ain't going to graduate. You're one credit short. And if you do not, you will get left. You will have to take, tw- you know, senior year all over again. I'm like, right. oh, hell no. I got to take night school for that. <laughs> so then you're working at Universal Studios. And did you meet Chris at Universal Studios? Like, how did wh- how did NSYNC come about? It was, it was crazy how it all kind of came about because um, there was a couple of kids that were in the Mickey Mouse Club that w- went to Dr. Phillips as well. Uh, Jen McGill was one of the girls. And I've known JC and I know Justin because of the Mickey Mouse Club. And I went to a lot of tapings. I knew all the people out there. But you were not in the Mickey I Mouse Club? I was not. No, I auditioned, actually. Became one of the top 10 in just the Orlando, Florida auditions, but never made it to the screen test or whatever they I do. See. I see. Like, Those bastards. Yeah. Well, I didn't turn out too bad, which was good. <laughs> and I ended up working with two of the other guys from the Mouse yeah. Club, which was JC and Justin. You didn't need uh, their fucking club. No. <laughs> Pieces of shit. <laughs> No, but it's funny enough that I became hosting. I hosted the uh, Mickey Mouse Club 30th reunion. Oh, really? Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, about a month or so ago, whatever it was, in Orlando. I uh-huh. just did that because they we were all friends. We all knew each other. So right. they wanted me to be kind of like the honorary Mouseketeer, if you mm-hmm. will. I'm like, oh, thanks, since I didn't get the part, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was cool. But um, it was weird because I knew JC and Justin from the Mickey Mouse Club, and I knew a lot of those kids, and I, and I hung out with them. Then you fast forward a little bit where I was singing with an acapella group with these Three other guys, this kid Jason, uh, Drew, and, I, and Paul, I believe the kid's name was. So we were doing some stuff. And one night I went to go to um, Pleasure Island, which is in Orlando. And my buddy Jason was in the group with me. He was supposed to come. And he stood me up. This is back then when we didn't have phones. We only had pagers. So now <laughs> what is this Pleasure text Island? Yeah. A club? It's, a, it's basically a bunch of different clubs that was at Disney, downtown Disney okay. area in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And it had like a whole bunch of clubs. Where if you were 18, you were able to get into a few of them. 21, you, you know, if you could earlier than that I wasn't able to but you go around there and you dance around the areas and stuff like that but there was one club you can get into which was called 8 Tracks and we were able to go out there and hang out and dance so I went out there and I ran into Chris and how I knew Chris though getting to that is he used to work at a, a Hollywood High Tones it was a acapella group in front of Mel's Diner mm. in Universal and I did Beetlejuice some of the people that sang with him also worked in the Beetlejuice show that I did so that's kind of how I knew Chris we never hung out all the time but we did know each other from seeing each other and I always wanted to become a Hollywood high tone is what they called them but i never did it because i was always working over doing the build you show mm-hmm. so a couple of my friends i knew them and all of a sudden i ran into chris and i ran i see jc and i see justin at this club and i'm like hey chris what's going on and i'm like how do you know i'm like how the hell you know justin and jc he goes well we're starting a group together uh this guy lou perlman is you know he did a group with, with backstreet boys they're called and now he wants to do another group and he's trying to get a band together i said oh cool i said well i'm supposed to meet a buddy of mine who was in a group that i was actually singing with I go, if you need us, just let me know. So he's like, you know what, let, let's find out. You know, let's, let's give a listen. So I was like, okay. They were looking for a bass singer, and I wasn't a bass singer. I gave him a crappy cassette tape of a horrible, um, 
what was it? You lost that love and feeling. You never close. It's horrible. It was like one of those little karaoke recording things. So I did that and I sent the tape. I said, listen, tape's a piece of shit. I'm sorry. It's horrible. It really is. I said, come to the Universal, come to the Beale show and I'll show you what I do. That's, that's, that's up my alley. That's kind of what I do. And I did the whole thing. I was I basically, I'm in a freaking werewolf costume, literally completely covered in fur. Can't even see me. And it's like a hip hop wolfie, they called him. And we were jumping around dancing and stuff. So it was like, oh, cool. We love you. That's how the three of us got together. There was one other kid, though, that was in the group named Brody. Brody was actually now in a group called, or was in a group called C-Note mm. at the time. If you're, anybody knows any boy bands back then. Um, but the funny thing was, is he was in the group before I really was. And they were like, well, we didn't want him anyway. And they kicked him out, put me in. I brought my buddy Jason to come in. He went to sing with them. All of us got together. This is before Lance was even in the right. group. We were about to sign a deal. And um, Jason didn't want to do it. He completely mm-hmm. bailed out. Says, I don't want to be this bubblegum new kids on the block shit. I don't want to do with it. I'm like, well, you know what? I think pop music is really fun. And if you want to do the R&B stuff that you're thinking of, you got to do this first, I think. You know, we got to eat the humble pie a little bit, kind of take a back seat and then see what happens. So he bailed out. So mm-hmm. then we had to find somebody. So we looked around, didn't really hold a, a, an audition or a cattle call, but we did this whole thing where uh, we went to high schools and asked around. And lo and behold, though, we asked one of Justin's old vocal coach in Nashville and says, I go to uh, Mississippi to do these like practice tapes with these group called Attaché. And there's a kid that's 16 years old that sings really low. Lance, it was a James Lance Bass. So mm-hmm. all right. And that's kind of how we found Lance. Convinced his mom to come to Florida. How old we were you? I was 17, 18 at the uh, seven, almost 18 at the moment. Okay. Lance was 16. Justin was 14. Chris was 24. Wow. Me and JC are pretty much the same age by Ranged. a few months. Yeah. yeah. Weird. And that's kind of how we kind of got together. Yeah. Then we did a practice for about two years, singing the same damn songs, doing absolutely nothing. And then uh, Jive or BMG actually lost the Backstreet Boys. And the, that's, when, that's when Backstreet Boys moved inside with Jive. BMG had an opening slot for a boy band and they were very popular in, in Germany. Nothing was happening in the States. Mm-hmm. So they came and saw us. They're like, hey, we like you. Want to see us? Check, check you guys out. We auditioned. They're like, okay, that's cool. We'll talk to you in a couple of months. Like kind of don't call us. We'll call you BS. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we're not going to hear a shit from them. Oh, not even a week later, they call us up. They're like, hey, we'd love to, you guys to come to Germany. They flew us to Germany. We started recording songs and kind of that's how it went down. When did you realize that you guys were becoming a big deal? Like was there a turning point? I think when we came into the States, believe it or not, like Europe, it felt like a fantasy, mm-hmm. believe it or not, with Germany and all the people. I mean, it was crazy because thousands of people, they were, they're very frenetic, which was amazing about that. And there were so many boy bands out there and everybody loved every group. Mm-hmm. So when we came back to the States, nobody knew who the hell we were. Nobody cared who we were. Right. So it's kind of one of those things like, oh, that's kind of stupid. Look at <laughs> us. Yay. We're in sync. And nobody knew who the frick we were. Mm-hmm. Then I think when we did like Jay Leno show and we started doing those things and people started really recognition. I think because it's on your home turf and you're doing the shows that you know about. Like for instance, we were in Germany called a show called Vettendas. Yay. <laughs> but if I said it to somebody from Germany and say, oh, we did Vettendas, that's like a Tonight Show. That's a right. very big, prestigious night show that they have you know, throughout the years and only big celebrities perform. Mm-hmm. So it was cool that we performed on there. But then when you go, okay, we're doing the Jay Leno's, we're doing the, you know, the, you know, any night show, you know, the James Gordon, any of those kind of things now, same kind of concept, same mm-hmm. idea. And I think that's when we started really being like, oh, crap, we really made it. And then, of course, when you go from theaters to arenas, from arenas to stadiums, and you go, oh, yeah, I think we did something here. Right. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, when you're selling out 60,000, 70,000 a night, which is bizarre and I've even heard of anymore, unless you're the Stones at the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things like, wow, it's pretty freaking crazy. Did you enjoy it at the time? Hell yeah. It was like my college years. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, think about it. My college years was just touring the world, you know, with, with four, four of my, my best friends that we are able to do things that we always dreamed, dreamt of doing and we're doing it. There was no, ah, oh, it'd be great if we were doing that and man, it'd be famous. We were doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, and it wasn't like, a, the, the beauty part, it wasn't like a, anything like a greed factor or like, oh, we want to take the world on. But it was only like, listen, going, all right, well, let's do a stadium tour. What can we have for a stadium tour? I don't know. Let's get these Velcro walls for one number. Great. Can we afford to do it? Hell yeah, we can. We're doing stadiums. Screw it. All right, let's do it. You know, it was that kind of dream of what, whatever we can dream of, we can do mm-hmm. on that stage. And I think that's, not to say that's, oh, that's what set us apart, but it really did in, in the performance aspect of performing on stage. I think that's what was different. We brought three people through journeys, I guess, or, or I guess, I don't know, stages of different things. And when you see our show, it was fun. Yeah, we did the song, but there was always a purpose or, or a reason behind it or some, some video or something like that. So it was, mm-hmm. it was 
I can't I can't be mad at it. I had well, a good time. What was your experience with Lou Pearlman like? And I have to admit, I know there's scandal around him, but I'm forgetting specifically what it was. It was a whole Ponzi scheme. His his whole whole thing with that was crazy because he he was a great businessman for himself. <laughs> that's that's the only way you can the best the best way you can possibly put it. He was a great businessman for himself and why and how come and what did he do and it was one of those things where he just had a great idea, shitty idea for himself in a sense that shot himself in the foot, but he was legitimate at one point making legit money and not screwing anybody over. But then when he started taking other people's monies, that's where it started to trickle effect. Because for him, like I said, he started with the Backstreet Boys and was like, you know what? If I can do this, I can do this again. Just like just like a a plane or a car or some sort of thing, you can mass produce it. Mm-hmm. If you can keep shelling it out, one or two is going to hit, definitely. Right. Maybe not all of them, but at least one or two. And he got very lucky in the sense of finding us in there and for us in that right combination that we were already kind of put together in a sense because mm-hmm. we found each other. Mm-hmm. He just said, go out. He never said audition. There was not anything like that. And then for Lou, like I said, is he started getting momentum and saying, hey, you know, I got the Backstreet Boys. I got in sync. You know, right now I'm working with Britney Spears. I'm doing my own TV show. Why don't you invest money in me and mm-hmm. I'll show you how to triple this and quadruple it within the next couple of, you know, a year or so. So was it like they would invest in his projects and then when he made they money, they would supposedly reap the re- rewards? Well, they would they would get printouts and they would say, you don't want to pull out yet. They were like, all right, well, I'll take my money Print now. Print out like of the financial health exactly, of Exactly. Like, okay, well you, put, yeah, you put, well, you put 100 grand into this and now your money is worth 200 grand. I see. And it's all these yeah, fake you gotta reports. You got to let it ride though, right. So and all they these never... F- all BS reports. Wow. So he kept all the money. We don't know where it is. Nobody knows where the hell mm-hmm. it is. Um, he did was, he steal from you guys? Well, he was triple fipple dipping. He became our manager. He became one sixth member of InSync. Mm. He did the same thing with Backstreet. And in certain rules and things of that, you can't do that in a certain nature. And obviously, we're 17, 18 years old. What the hell do right. we know? You know? And as we got older, we weren't getting a certain amount of money. They literally were like, well, you know, I'm giving them checks for millions and millions of dollars, and you're only getting like 50 grand. Mm-hmm. You know, you're only getting like 10 grand here, 20 grand there. And for us, 17 years old, 20 grand's like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. Ah, woo-hoo. Right. Not when you're making, you know, eight to 10 million and you're not getting any of it between the five of you guys. And when all did of you realize? Um, I think when really substantial amount of money coming in and stuff happened in the States. I think that's when things really started going like a little, little left field or people were like, listen, the numbers are not adding up. There's something, there's something not right. We don't know what it is, but definitely you guys should take a look at it and look mm-hmm. into it. And who, and who, who was it who was pointing that out to you guys? Um, a, a bunch of different people. Uh, one was, I think, from the rec- one of the record company people from from Europe was telling us that. Um, just in general, when we first got the big check, it was like all supposedly excited, but it was only like twenty grand, and we're mm-hmm. like, really, this is what we're getting? That's right. when it really because we were working so much, we weren't paying attention. We're thinking like, okay, you work a whole lot, and then you get a big chunk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, ooh, big presentation, but a check. How much? What one, two million? Which? How much is ever? It was like ten grand. Of each for each guy, right? But well, you like, knew that it was actually because of their the way they were behaving. There well, was not more only money. that, well, not only that, you're looking at the numbers. Just in general, you see how much T-shirts are selling for out there, and you're well, seeing you're how, playing stadiums. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, at that time it was like arenas and outdoor venues. Still, but yeah. it was still a lot. It yeah. was still like you know, like a good probably five or six thousand people. You know, radio shows obviously didn't get paid for. It was more of a promotional thing. We understood that. But when we were doing our own concerts and stuff like that, and selling our own merchant and going, all right, we're number one on the charts now, but we're not getting anything, right? It's got to be something. And so, know? did you guys ask him about it? Yeah, and then we had to find get some lawyers and get involved in it, and and that's when it all went downhill. And then he was just like, you know, he wanted took us to court. He countersued us, and, and we finally filed out of court. He got a little percentage, I think, for like the remaining year or two, or whatever it was. And then he was cut from us, and then he went to jail and then passed away in jail. Oh, I didn't realize he passed away. Yeah, crazy. Did he? How did you feel when he passed away? A lot of people asked us. We all said, a few of us, I think, even me and Chris, we were just like. I don't know. Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the reality of it, the real true reality. If it wasn't for his crazy-ass idea to put a bunch of guys together in a band, seriously, and like do it again a second time, mm-hmm. I don't think we would have been around. Maybe in a different format, maybe in a different uh, group, might have been different people. I don't know what the mixture would have been. And would have that ever been that famous because of that different mixture? Right. Who the hell knows? So I think, for, I think it's a combination, obviously, of luck. Him kind of getting like Chris really was the initial to say, hey, he went out and said, Chris said, hey, you know, Johnny uh, Lou did said, hey, go out and find some guys. If that again, if Chris wasn't that eager and just said, ah, screw it, I don't think he would have ran into all of us in the mm-hmm. way it would have went down. So I think it, 
definitely Lou, it, he definitely did help us out. There's no doubt about it. But again, he's a, he was a good businessman for himself. And where were all of your parents during all of this? Um, well, Justin's mom and Lance's mom were on the road with us a lot of the time. My parents were home. Uh, JC's parents were home. Chris's mom was home. Mm-hmm. But like, were the parents, in, were they like stage parents? Were they involved? No, not 100%. They were involved in the sense of like our schoolwork. Not even us, but it was more like Lance and Justin. Miss mm-hmm. Diane, which was Lance's mom, became kind of like the teacher. And then Justin's mom was kind of like the mom. She was like, uh, my son's the youngest. He ain't going nowhere without me. <laughs> so she went to a lot. She was, she was with him majority of the time until he was probably, I want to say like 16, 17, when we really started going and obviously being more in the States than it was in Europe. Then it was kind of a little bit easier because mm-hmm. instead of going back and forth to Germany, it was a little more crazier. And that's what we were doing the first two years of our career, really. Right. So to jump into into the present day. I was listening to the most recent episode of Two Cups of Joe. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I Thank really you. like the show. It's fun. Everyone should check it out. Um, and you, so you've been in the news recently because news of your divorce came mm, out. It's so funny. Even though it's you, like, it's been in the works for a while, right? Yeah. It, it's one of those things where you laugh because if you look at a few other things that have happened, even when we did the star on the walk of fame, a little blurb came out again about me and her being separated earlier. Even before that you rewind, I was doing races for Disney. That little blurb came out about that as well. But all of a sudden when you do something or something goes in the news, they piggyback it and slap it on again, which I think is hilarious. So I was like, you know what? Let me talk on my own podcast and explain to everybody first. So if people really want to listen, they can watch, listen to two cups of Joe and and listen to kind of how everything went down. But the funny part about it was, is yeah, we've been separated for over, Almost five years. We don't okay. announce it. We're not, you know, we're not that kind of an LA crowd. Not to say oh, we got to be LA famous people, celebrities. It's just no. It's shit that we're working through. I've been with her for almost twenty years. So your high school sweetheart, yeah, right? And mother 16. of your, of yeah, two your kids. Two kids yeah. yeah, I have an eighteen-year-old and a, and a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those things where it's like people are like, oh, she's a, you know, your girlfriend's a homewrecker. I'm like. You know, I wasn't even dating the girl when we were separated. Like right. me and my wife were separated. Well, the way we weren't even together. The news stories did you no favors because it's like, you know, you're, you know, you and longtime, uh, longtime partner are divorcing, and here's a picture of you with your girlfriend of four years. And some right, people right. are like, "What? what? The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah." So I had to make sure I, I kept that. I had to make sure I explained that to people where, yeah, people do live and go on with their lives, even though they may be married and completely separated, but everybody knows what's going on. Right. Both parties know exactly what's happening. My whole family knew. My kids knew. It mm-hmm. wasn't like a secret. I don't. I, and for me personally, I don't care what other people have to talk about. Let the fans and let people talk about all they want to talk about. When it's time for me to say something or actually come out and say it like I did, I even said, listen, you know, I've been separated for a while, going through divorce right now, pretty much making it finalized. Now I can tell everybody and Mm -hmm. it's not a big deal or a hard deal or, you know, as we get older, people do tend to fall out of relationships and out of love or whatever the case that may be. I was with her for almost, like I said, 20 years. So it's crazy. To, I'm to, impressed that you guys were together for 20 shit, years. me too. I always say that because I met... Dated for 10, married for 10. Yeah. yeah. I met my husband when I was 36. Like, mm. I don't think I... I'm such a different person than I was in high oh, school. Oh, yeah. I think we all are for that matter. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's what... what what nobody really understands, and there's nothing wrong with with being in love when you're young and and even working it through. If you're able to work it through, that's great, good for you. But what may not work for other people doesn't work for everyone. You know, it may work for them, may not work for me. So, like I said, for me, it's like you know, we've tried all these different things, it just didn't work. But we're like, you know what? It, we don't see eye to eye anymore. I think it's better that we maybe do other things on our own and and try to obviously work with us and try to figure out with the kids and everything. We want to make it as not as seemingly as possible because it's not, there is no seam. I'm living in one house. She's in another. Mm-hmm. How do you explain that to a nine-year-old? You know, how right. do you talk to your kid like that? Or how do you make it to where it's just normal? Or, you know, mommy and daddy just don't live together. It's not that we don't love each other. It's just we don't live well together. And they, we're good like this. You like mommy's house. You like, and then we look at it on the positive. Hey, you got two rooms. You got one bedroom in mommy's house. You got another bedroom in daddy's house. And it's more or less of, Nothing would be different anyway, even for my older one, because I was always traveling Mm -hmm. in and out anyway. So it's not an abrupt shock to them. It's not like I'm never there or it's not like I'm always there. It's just every time that I come home, they're with me or I'll take them. You know, they're with me at my house and I do the daily shit. I bring them, make the lunches, go to school, take them to school, do all that stuff. Well, not my 18-year-old anymore. Thank God. She <laughs> drive her own damn self. <laughs> <laughs> um, so were you in a relationship the whole time you were in NSYNC? Yeah. How was that? Not easy. <laughs> <laughs> at all. 
I bet. No, I ain't going to lie. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but it just wasn't easy. A lot of people even say, it's like, how could you actually even have a relationship in that matter? And again, nobody's perfect. Shit's going to happen, you know, and, and this was actually, thank good I wasn't even married before any of that. It was after all that stuff. And then I had my child. We did everything bass backwards. Mm-hmm. So it was like dated, then had a child, then got married, you know? And it was, it was just, it was funny just in general, as far as having the child and not being married was weird mm-hmm. and always felt like there was something missing. And maybe that was the thing that kind of brought us together. I don't even know in the sense of going, Hey, you know, we're married now and that's, it's official, but just like you look at Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. I don't think they've ever been married yet. Right. If you look at them still together all this day, which I think it, 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 it does say something where not everybody or not every person needs a marriage license to be married mm-hmm. to them or devoted, I would say, to the, to the person. I don't know. It's weird. It's interesting because as you get older, you start to think of different ways and different things and how come this was way where I was taught to love one person and that's it for the rest of my life till death do us part. But what if you really don't like the person? Then <laughs> right. what? Right. Think well, about so that. did you have a religious upbringing? Uh, Catholic, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was Catholic. Yeah, still I'm beige. I like to call myself beige. I'm a beige Catholic. Oh, what does that mean? That I'm just very transparent. I'm like not fully blown, but I know about everything else. I went to Catholic school when I was, like I said, when I was, you know, from kindergarten all the way to seventh grade. Mm-hmm. I went to Catholic school. So I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not a, a practice hardcore. Right. You know but what I'm saying? Do you think that, um, like, did were you reluctant to divorce because you felt had mixed feelings about it? No, or? I think it was more or less of my kids. Mm-hmm. It was more or less of the kids. You know, when you're not happy with something and you just things are just not 100% right, some people do it and say, you know, let's stay for the kids. But I think sometimes if you're able to work through it and everything's good, great. But if you're able, if you're not able to do it and it's showing and it becomes arguments here and there, there's every day. I don't think that's good in front of the kids, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and shit, we're all guilty from doing it. We all do it at one point in time. If you have kids, you know, you're arguing with your spouse or whatever at some point in time in front of them. They see that they feed off of that. They're not stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they watch everything that's going on. And if it's a reoccurring thing, they're like, okay, well, that's maybe how I should, my affection should be towards someone. That's how I love somebody is by yelling at them mm. or being mean. And they take it the wrong way, maybe, possibly. You know, right. I'm not saying that that's the way I do it. Thank God I'm not. Hey, I love you. You pain in my ass. <laughs> you know, but there is tough love. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where you just got to kind of feel it out mm-hmm. and figure out again, maybe is it working? Is it not? Let's try to make it work. If it ain't working out, then maybe let's try a different alternative. You know, let's take a break from each other. Shit. Why not? Can't hurt. Let's take a break. Let's figure it out. Then if that doesn't work, then it's like, okay, let's get a divorce. How do we work that? How do we work with the kids? And again, it was it was a very scary thing because you just don't know. You know, me me and my ex literally were looking at each other going, I've never done this before. Have you ever done a divorce? No. Like, what the hell do we do? Right. Because we hear everybody else's shit. We hear everybody else's crappy stories or who didn't get this or who didn't take that? Why didn't you get this? Or how come this person's treating you? I'm like, listen, I'm like, I'm not like everybody in the sense of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like some people, I've even known some friends of mine that have gotten divorced and don't even talk or see their see their kids anymore. And you're like, but that's your own flesh and blood. Just because you're mad at one person doesn't mean you have to take it out on that one. Right. That's not something you should do at all for that matter. You know, for, I think maybe one of the things that, of course, have come out, I guess, for me when I was younger as far as just learning is responsibility. You know, my parents always said, you know, God forbid you ever have a kid. I mean, even on the road, God forbid if I actually fooled around, I wasn't with her, fooled around, got somebody, whatever the case may be. That's responsibility I have to deal with. Regardless of whatever the fuck, that's my responsibility. I got to take care of that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those things where that that kind of thing happens, where you get. For me, I'm always like, well, shit. If I ever have another kid or whatever, it's like that's my responsibility. I got to figure it out. <laughs> Do you think you will have another kid? Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> no, he- I've always been on the fence. Mm-hmm. I really have been because it's one of those things where, you know, just age wise, right? And again, for me, I'm a guy. Yes, it is different. Uh, my girlfriend's younger, so yeah, you know, that's How definitely she- uh, 33. Mm-hmm. She's oh. 33. So you she's young. Yeah, you yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's like one of those things, do you do you or you do you not, you know? Right. And it's and again, it's it's who knows. You know, I'm always I've always just been on the I'm never uh, no, never going to happen. Never, never, never. Because I always say never say never and shit ends up happening. <laughs> I mean, you know. So it's like I I'll say never say never. It's a possibility, but who knows? Who knows? And you guys are planning to get married? Hell no. Why did I thought that I heard that? See, you hearing shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, so speaking of shit. Gosh, no. Speaking well, go of ahead. 
are you are you are you done with marriage? I don't want to. No, I've already even expressed that to her. She's even expressed it. She's been married before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got divorced at an early age. I said the only reason why is if we're like dying and we need to like get some sort of answers for something, <laughs> then we'll get married. But other than that, if we are together, I'm faithful to you. I'm not. I'm not going straying anywhere. I'm not doing shit. We're good. Wait, what kind of answers would marriage help you get? I don't know. If you're dying. Like she'd have to probably maybe wipe my ass or something. I don't know. Okay. Something that you know what I mean. Like if I'm dying, who who's gonna who's gonna take the wealth or right. share it or whatever the fit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'll write a living will, but I'll also be like, all right, well, she's gonna be in charge of some of this shit. She's my girl. She's my rock. So right. Like so, like if out. you need the legal benefit yes. or something. Yeah. Because I I what really is it for? Be real. It's a contract. I have one. Honestly, I wondered that um, because. The whole wedding planning and all of it and the families and everything it was just so stressful that and I'm not I'm like traditional in some ways, but I'm not like the most traditional person. And I won some after my husband and I got married and just I thought like, why did I feel like it was so important that we do that? Like we we're going to be together. anyway. no, we felt the same way, too, when I got married, though. You did. With, oh, yeah. Well, on top of that, that's your again, that's the way you were raised. Right. Marriage, have kids, have a family. The ultimate dream, you know, whatever that is, the white picket fence. Although, it's your day, right? What, exactly. It's all yeah. It's all about it's all about the bride. It's all her day. It's all, it's, the, it's the one day where she is the fucking princess. You know, she's the queen. Yeah, but it you never know? lives up to it. That's the thing. And no, then, yeah, it never does. Right. <laughs> the next thing you know, either you're drunk and you know you're falling on the floor throwing up, or you know what parent or what aunt is pissed off at some other relative and who's pissed off. Yeah. I and for my marriage and all that stuff, I made sure of it too. That I was like, if anybody has a problem, you come to me. You don't fucking tell her nothing. I don't care what happens. You tell me and I'll fix it. And there was a lot of things that happened like that during my wedding. There was a generator that broke down. They couldn't do this. There's a whole bunch of stuff that needed to be outside. It's gonna take a couple of grand to move this. I'm like, do it. I don't care. Don't. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. Make it happen. That's all Good. I said. <laughs> So that was, yeah, that was my, my thing on that. But yeah, as far as, again, like with marriage, it's like one of those things is, is to each his own. Now that I've, you know, 42 years old, I have two kids. It's one of those things of where, you know, if I'm with you, I'm with you. I don't need a a, a, a piece of paper for me, honestly, to say, hey, you're mine or, or I'm yours or I'm faithful to you. Because you know what? If I really wanted that, I just even said, let's drop, drop a contract. Mm-hmm. Let's just draw it up. We don't need a marriage. It's the same shit. If I do this, you get this. Or if I do that or you do this, I get that. You know, whatever it is. Make it work. Right. So. I need to tell you guys about Shady Rays. Shady Rays make super high quality, nice sunglasses that are affordable. And uh, for every pair of sunglasses that you buy, they give 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order. So you can feel good about that. And you'll feel good about your new cool Sunglasses. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company, so they are not some big corporation that overcharges for shades. Everyone knows sunglasses are way overpriced. Shady Rays is out to do it differently and give people a lot more bang for their buck. Their shades are polarized and made to hold up no matter what you do outside. So if you want to save a Benjamin, you might want to give them a shot. And they also have this really, really unique, great warranty. Uh, they include free replacements if shades are lost or broken for any reason. It doesn't matter what happens, dropped in an ocean, lake toilet, anything. They'll replace it. Try that with your high price shades and see what they tell you. You get an entirely free pair. You just pay a small shipping and handling fee for each replacement and bam, you're back in business. Uh, exclusively for our listeners, they gave us the best deal they have to offer. This is a Black Friday level deal they're giving us here. Use the code best friend for 50% off two or more pairs. Buy one, get one free. You get two pairs for $45. This is the best deal that Shady Rays offers exclusively for us. Redeem only at Shady Rays, S-H-A-D-Y-R-A-Y-S.com, where you can find all their newest and best shades. So on the podcast, um, you guys, it was it was hilarious. You were reading negative comments that you got. Was it on Instagram? Uh, TMZ. It was uh, on, a TMZ thing when, right when it broke out. Okay. So it was. in the comment oh section. God, it was amazing. It was so funny. And I think Joe asked you, does it bother you? Yeah, no. And you said no, because you've been in the public eye for so long. It just Can you talk more about that? Yeah, you get, I think you just because you get tough skin. You know, does, does it bother you in a little bit? Yeah, of course it does. Because you want everybody, I mean, again, if for any celebrity, I think they want everybody to like you in a sense because of what you're doing or whatever the case may be. But then again, it's always that 
when that negative thing comes out, people are curious and they get to look anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, if people said, "Oh my God, Joey Fatone's such a dick," <laughs> people would be interested to see that because I'm not. That's not me. Right. I've never been that way in that sense. So it's kind of like, oh, I got to see it. What of a big dick? What did he do? Mm-hmm. You know, what a jerk. Whatever that means. Because I love when people. There's a few people have come up to me one time and said, "Oh, you were nasty to me when I met you." And the first thing I say to them, I go, "Where was I? Well, you were at a bar, okay." probably maybe drunk let's go there let's take that step further what's the next thing well you were walking by was i in a rush or did i look happy who's well you were walking by with your security oh okay so i was going to point a to point b i wasn't stopping by to talk to you Mm -hmm. because if i was usually that is me i don't know i've never been mean i've never been rude i love when they do that and then i break it down they're like oh well maybe you really weren't rude i said well because i'm never that way you have to catch me at a really bad time or I'm pissed off at something to be like, listen, back the fuck up. Yeah. You know, which I very, very, very rarely do. But again, I even say it. Listen, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm not having a good time right now. I'm going to lose my shit. So I apologize. I can't take a picture with you right now. I got to go. You know, that, that's something, honestly, I would probably say. Because mm-hmm. just to say, listen, I appreciate you. That's great. But you're annoying the shit out of me. I got to deal with something else. <laughs> I apologize. No disrespect. Yeah. Um, did it you did the negative comments used to bother you more though like at first I think it did a little bit in a sense of because it was more or less of like oh look at these little boy band teeny bopper mm-hmm. things and they don't know this they don't know that and I was like alright well let's let the music speak for itself and then when they saw us do an acapella and we could do five part harmonies and all that stuff then it was like oh 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 they're actually oh you know it's one of those things oh they can oh they can actually sing oh they can actually do this that's, that's great so we had to change a lot of people's views yeah views on us and perception on us to make them be like listen this is what we are and again you're still gonna hear it and it's so funny because i i don't know i think maybe even maybe even at just an early age in general in high school i don't know i just never took and again i think might have been maybe because of the upbringing you know even my dad was always like you know you may audition for a bunch of things you're not gonna get nothing or this is that one shot that you're gonna get that people are gonna listen whatever that may be don't let it intimidate you don't let anybody ever, and that was one of the rules I've always learned from my dad was don't let anybody ever intimidate you, whether it be a fight, whether it be an audition, whether it be whatever it is. No reason to. They're just like you. They're a person. They may, may have the knowledge of something else, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Then you'll learn from that. And I'm like, okay, I got gotcha. you. So I just never, yeah, I never, I don't know why. I've always been, oh, you know, back in the day, I was skinny as hell. I gained weight, obviously, later on. It's all, oh, look at the fat one. Oh, my God, he let himself go. I'm like, yeah, it's good eating. <laughs> I can't complain. I got freaking saying bye bye bye. Got me a house and a lot of freaking food. So thank you. I appreciate it. What kind of music were you uh, into when you were in InSync? Oh wow. Um, in InSync, it was interesting. I think a little bit of everything. Um, listening from D'Angelo to musicals to you know 1950s music, doo-wop music. I, used to, I still love listening to. My dad kind of got me hooked on to that. I listen to everything. I'm probably the gayest straight man ever. Because <laughs> I love musicals. You can ask me about sports. I'd be like, what? Okay. Like, who plays for that? Like, what team? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, uh, just from knowing people, from actually knowing them is how I know what team they're on and what they play and everything else. If you gave me some of the lineup with a bunch of people, I'd be like, I don't know who the hell those people are. And right. no disrespect, I just... You tell me who musical? Yeah, that's Alex Brightman. He plays uh, in Beetlejuice. He's in, a, he's in a musical Broadway show right now, Beetlejuice. You ask me that shit, I know. Don't ask me why, but I do. <laughs> who, did you, who did you play in Rent? I played Mark. And how, I played Mark. It was fun. How was being on Broadway? Awesome. It was one of those things where, you know, you, for me, like I said, in high school, I did a lot of theatrical plays and musicals and stuff. So musicals were one of my things that I loved doing. And the funny part about it is, is when, I believe it was in 95 or 90, even 94, a little earlier, I think that's when Rent came out. And right before I graduated high school, people were like, oh, my God, Rent's amazing. Oh, so beautiful. It touches your soul. It does this. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I, didn't, I never listened to it. Didn't mm. hear it. Not that I say I didn't care about it. I think because everybody liked it. I boycotted it. Uh-huh. And then the funny part about it was is they were like, oh, my God, when I graduate high school, I'm going to be on Broadway. I'm going to do Rent. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then everybody cursed me out, all my friends from high school, because I got to do it on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny though that was a little laugh for me because I was like they're like you don't even like the musical I said I liked it I said I just didn't love it the way you guys were infatuated with it a little <laughs> different so but it was a blast I mean it was one of the most amazing experiences because you know for a while I was with four of the guys all my life mm-hmm. and then being in an ensemble cast though with you know 15 to 20 people still you're with a group of people but it was interesting that 
you were the first person to take the stage. You're the person that, you know, basically started telling the story of this and to do that whole thing and have it be about me, not to say like, oh, it was me. I'm so amazing. But having it different in a realm where it wasn't me singing songs and dancing around. It was a character. Mm-hmm. It was a storyline. It was this, this, this. It was really cool. Did you watch um, Rant Live on whatever channel it was on? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. What did you think? I was disappointed by it. Why? I want to hear your thoughts and I'll tell you. <sighs> well, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember why now. Oh, I mean, I, I know that. I know that what we saw was just the, like the dress rehearsal, right? It wasn't the actual performance. Yeah, until the very the, the towards the end, you saw right. him with the cast, the cast on his leg. Yeah, but they they yeah they shot it live basically. I guess as if again, if something happens just like that, they have right. the backup for it. But were they holding? I mean, I remember wondering, or maybe I read that like they were holding back in that performance because it wasn't. I don't know. I I wish I could remember specifically. Which I think is I know BS I, because okay. anytime you're you're going to shoot something like that and they're going to do it, okay, this is for real. We're doing it to tape. You you sell your ass. You don't go back and go. Oh, well, I messed up there. I'm going to figure yeah. it out later on. Screw that shit. You do it. That's yeah. that's any professional, I think, for that matter. So if there's people that were slagging behind it, then that's their fault. Right. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could remember why I didn't. It re- didn't really work for me. But it just I didn't. loved the way the stage was set up. Mm-hmm. They kept it the way they did it, like almost on the on a Broadway show, but they expanded the whole thing in a soundstage. That was cool. Um, I thought. I thought the characters were really good. Everybody kind of did a really good job. The only thing is, is if you look at this, the cast in general, the normal cast that is there, it's very diverse for that matter. There are African-Americans. There are African-Americans that are gay. There are white guys. There are Hispanic. There's Asian. There's Jewish. There's all those things. And why would you cast the, they should have cast the appropriate people again, not disrespecting anybody. But Mm -hmm. for instance, when you have, um, What's his name now? I'm drawing a blank of his freaking name. I know. I'm totally forgetting who was in it. Jordan Fisher. Mm-hmm. Jordan Fisher played Mark Cohen, the character that I played. Right. He's a Jewish kid from, from, from the city, if I'm not mistaken. The kid is Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. The way he looks, and I believe Jordan Fisher's mixed. On top of that, again, they already have... That's like, that's like a white person coming into Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being honest. That's, yeah. like a white, that's like a white person coming in trying to do Hamilton. Right. Meaning... This is the way it was scripted. This is the way it was settled. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. And right, I have no problem with that. Yeah. But specifically, since there is so much diversity in the cast already, mm-hmm. why are you going to diversity even more? Meaning where the original thought and the mind of it for him. Now, again, you want to do it on Broadway and do different people? Totally fine. But a live version for me, I think it would be great if you put it a little bit more truer to the characters. Yeah. Again, not disrespecting anybody's work and how they performed. Uh, I think Fisher did freaking an awesome job. He's a great, talented little bastard. He is. He's awesome. But I would think it would be better if someone else were to do it. Um, the girl who play, the guy who played um, Angel, great, uh, looked the part, acted the part, vocally not, I don't think, as strong. Mm-hmm. Wasn't as strong. Again, that's just my personal preference. People can kick me in the head all they want. <laughs> um, the guy who played Roger kicked ass. I thought he was great. Thought he was awesome for some reason. Vocally, everybody was like, "Hey, eh, he was okay." But I think the character, and again, the character and the way he played it, and his part and his vocals were were on point. Um, I think the rest of the cast did really, really good. The guy who played Tom Collins was great. I mean, it's again, it's one of those things where every once in a while you're like, "Ah," mm, and I'm biased by it because I did it eight shows a week for six months straight. Right, right. I did it longer than them. Yeah, I know they did a good extensive rehearsal, but I did that shit for six months, eight shows a week. There are friends of mine that have done that show for two years straight. So I can't even complain and say anything about that. You know, some of my boys have done, done it almost since almost day one. They were still in the cast. Some friends of mine. It's crazy. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're like, <sighs> it frustrates me sometimes. Because yeah. it's like, you know what? You could have did You could have did the what you, yeah, I don't know. Again, I get it. But also on top of it, when you're, when you're doing certain things that are specifically casted for certain characters, I think it would be better to keep it that way. Just because of the, I think it's the envision that, the, that Jonathan Larson had. Right. You know. Right. God, his story is so sad. Mm-hmm. Died opening Crazy. night. Crazy. Yeah, it had a really kind of cool. Aneurysm, right? Yeah, really good. Co- not that's cool. That's not cool at all. That's <laughs> fucking cool, horrible. The coolest kind of aneurysm. <laughs> no, his dad. It was actually kind of cool where his dad took every time somebody came into the cast a lot of times, would take us to dinner or lunch. And he would sit down and talk to us, you know, about his son, about Jonathan and how he was and his vision. Really cool, though. 
it's kind of a cool thing, you know. It was like you know you're in this family kind of thing, and this is a cast. And he gave me a book from his library, I think, or something like that, from Jonathan Lawson's library to keep, and it was really cool, really really cool. That's nice. Yeah. Um, okay, let's take some questions that people sent in on Patreon. I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's different rewards, um, behind the scenes content, bonus stuff. You can get your questions asked ahead of everyone else. And we have a little song. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay, yeah. Seth Eisenberg says, can you talk about your support of Lance Bass, both before when less widely accepted in society and pop culture and after his coming out? Any lessons on how people can support their friends through their own similar journeys? What? He's out? <laughs> Did you not? Have you not seen the cover? <laughs> Wait a people? minute. He's gay? Yeah. No yeah. way. No. Um, it's pretty interesting with him. I was one of the first guys to find out. I kind of literally almost literally walked in on him per se mm. um we were at his house party and hanging out we went to, actually we were at a club and we went back to his house a bunch of people i passed out in one of his guest bedrooms three o'clock in the morning i got up he lived like down the street from me so i'm like oh shit let me go home so i go to his room i knock on his door he's not there i'm like what the hell lands i'm gonna say goodbye to him nobody's like everybody's like gone where the frick did everybody go i go to his backyard didn't see him i went to the other guest uh, bedroom he wasn't there i went in his office i opened up his door he's sitting in a cow in a chair and a dude is straddling on top of him wow thank goodness they're clothed they were not naked. And I went, hey. all right, goodbye. I'm leaving. And I'm starting to shut the door. He's like, no, 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 come in. Nothing's going on. I said, dude, I'm leaving. He's like, no, no, surprise. And I'm like, surprise what? And he's sitting there, the guy, and I knew the guy too. And I'm like, Lance, your mom's going to kill you. That's all I said. I said, your mom's going to kill you. I said, I don't know what else to say. He's like, hey, he's like, you know, I don't want to tell the guys. But I said, dude, I said, this is your thing, man. I'm not going to say nothing. My, Your secret's with me. I love you. I don't love you, but I love you. You're my brother. So, I don't care. You do what you do. You do you. So that's kind of how we kept it. And that's how it was. You know, for me, it's like... When was that? Oh, gosh. Mm, 2000? Or like how... Or 99, 2099. Like how old, How long had you guys been in the band? We were we were on tour. Mm-hmm. It, was like, it was like a break, a little bit of a break. But we were... we were, we were. were. I know that he was still living in Florida at the time because he had the house. He wasn't in LA yet. Mm-hmm. So it was it was fairly early. Okay. It was getting there though. It was very close to when he came out. I think about a year later, mm-hmm. maybe, I think. But um yeah, it was this is one of those things I'm like, dude, I support you hundred percent. He's like, just don't tell the other guy. I said, I'm not gonna say nothing. I said, You when you're ready to tell everybody else, that's your time. I said, I ain't gonna say shit. That's not my that's not my that's not my story, that's not my it's not me to tell. So, you know, that happened and then he you know, obviously other people started to find out. But for me it's like I supported him. I didn't care. You know what as long as he ain't touching my pee I'm cool. Did you have... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, he's my boy. I love him. You know, it's it's so funny when people are like, whoa, how was it? What do you mean? Did he come on? No. He was just like an ordinary dude in the sense of how scared he was to let everybody know because he didn't know what the way everybody was going to perceive it. Mm. That's really it. That's why I think almost all the time that people that do not come out, that is the reason. Other people are going to look at them in a completely different way, right. which I think is the dumbest thing. It's almost as if somebody had herpes or AIDS or some sort of just disease, even cancer. People look at you in a different way out of mm-hmm. nowhere going, oh. like It's almost like they feel sorry for you. I'm like, dude, he's gay. He's happy. That's, isn't that what gay means? Happy? You're freaking happy. So it's weird. I don't know. It's weird when people think that or they mm-hmm. say, I'm like, I've just, I don't know. I've never been raised or in that kind of negativity again as long as you do you and you ain't throwing anything on me in that sense i'm like i'm cool i don't give it you know what i mean totally support so for him it was interesting because for me how funny it was is when he came out when it came out in people magazine i was staying at his house in la when it happened and he was getting like cards of like thank you and flowers uh elton john sent him this whole big thing it was crazy i was like Damn it, man. I, I want to be gay, too. I'm like, this sucks. Because we like he was in his house for about a week. And then we all went out one night. And he's like, screw it. I can't go. I have to get the hell out of here. I can't stay in this house anymore. I'm like, great. This is going to be fun. Now I'm going to be probably babysitting people, freaking trying to take pictures or dumb asses and people. You know what I mean? I didn't, yeah. You don't know what to expect. And all these women wanted to hang out with him because now he's no threat. Mm-hmm. He's not going to hit on any of them. So I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm gay, too. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I like men, you know, because every woman was hanging out with him. I'm like, right. shit, this sucks. Where's, where's me? I'm, I'm selfish. <laughs> no, it was really funny though. But it was like, again, 
I don't know. I, I think because of the fact that even for me, even early in the net, one of my other good friends, my friend Richie, I've known since kindergarten, he came out mm-hmm. and he was gay. And I've known the kid again since I was in kindergarten. And I even was around him when he first hooked up with a woman, you know, and, and I didn't know any of that kind of stuff. And he was embarrassed and scared to tell me. And one of my other close friends finally told me and I didn't really say much. And then finally Richie's like, hey, you know, I, you know, I'm gay. I'm like, okay. But he was like waiting, this, like it was there, like a big answer of me to be like, "Fuck you, you're a jerk." I'm like, "All right, cool." Same thing. I'm like, "I love you, dude." It's there's nothing. I have nothing more to say. What else you want me to say? Good for you. How's the dude? <laughs> How's the man? Is he hooking up? Is he is he doing? Is he laying the pipe down? Good. Is that all right? You know, like what do you want me to say? Right. It's like one of those things. You're so off, thrown off by it because it's again, it's a person having a relationship with another person. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're black, white, red, purple, green, Irish, Jewish, whatever it is. That you're human beings. Yeah. That's that's basically what it comes first and foremost. I bleed like you bleed. So I don't understand how people get so and if they get so enraged, go in your own fucking house. Yeah. Shut the door. Yeah. Well we were just um I just had someone on the show yesterday who was talking about how when he came out to his mom, she said, I would rather you had lung cancer. Ooh, yeah. Shit. Like and his parents still don't <sighs> accept him. And he he said that. it's the great sorrow of his life. I don't get it's that really at sad. All. Yeah, I don't get yeah. that at all. So I think that that thing. Now I'm going to speak for, speak out of turn. But I think that that pause of like, what's your reaction going to be? Is like, do you still love me? Do you right, still right. accept Are you me? Accepting? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and that's the thing for me. It's like, yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's 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 one of those things where you 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 accept that person or you don't. You know, and that's 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 the choice that you really have to make. And for me, I you know again. You're not harming anybody. You're not hurting anybody. You're not doing anything wrong to anyone. You, it's all consensual to what you and your spouse or person have. Whatever it is, knock yourself out. Uh, Smitty Scoop says, does he still own an Orlando restaurant specializing in hot dogs called Fat Ones? I have a food truck, yes. There was a place in the Florida mall in Orlando called Fat Ones, and then I moved it out because the damn thing was too damn expensive. Mm. But I got a food truck now. We've been traveling around. We do stuff over at Disney actually right now and a lot of different special events. So yes, so if you go on, I believe it is OrlandoFatOnes.com, you can find out exactly where we are in all different locations around Orlando right now. We haven't branched out yet, but we'd love to. Is there a certain item on the Fat Ones menu that you'd recommend? Um, I believe there is one called the Angelo, mm. which is the name after my big fat Greek wedding character, <laughs> but it has nothing to do with Greek. Uh, but it's basically a whiskey-infused uh, bacon jam that we use oh. on the dog. We do a, co- a bunch of different ones. There's one called the fat one, the Angelo, the, the, I think, I believe the Bensonhurst, but the one has like this bacon infused whiskey jam or something like that. It's pretty damn good. Sounds good. Yeah. Ashley Brent. I'd love to hear about his experience on the masked singer. That show fascinates me. Had me stumped for weeks. Yeah. It fascinated me too. Cause it was hot as hell. Um, I did characters back in the day in, uh, in the other theme park, mm-hmm. not universal, the Disney theme park. Mm. I did that. So, that kind of helped me out a little bit, but I haven't done it in years. But to be able to put myself in that freaking costume and then try to sing, it's not easy. I didn't watch. I uh, I hot. only heard about this show. I oh, didn't actually hilarious. watch it. So what was the premise? It's basically celebrities singing in costumes. Were so you actually singing in the singing costume? live in the damn costume? And they have to try to guess who it is, right? Yes, they do little vignettes of like hints. And the thing is, is though you don't get kicked off if they guess you. They'll just say, well, we'll have to wait and see if you get kicked off if they don't like your performance. Mm. So if they like your performance, they like your vocals, they'll keep you all the way through. Uh, I came, I got kicked off right before the third, right before the finale. There was three people left. And it was, uh, there was a peacock, a lion, and a monster. The peacock was uh, Donny Osmond. Lion was, uh, not lion, sorry. It was peacock. The monster was t- uh, T-Pain. He could wow. sing his ass off. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, T-Pain. And um, Gladys Knight with the top three. I mean, who's going to kick Gladys Knight off? <laughs> Nobody's going to kick Gladys <laughs> right. Knight off. I was like, damn it, I'm done. But then again, that's the thing. They, we didn't know who they are either. We didn't know who the celebrities were. They don't know who I was. They kept it a, a very locked down. You go to rehearsals, you had to wear a mask. You didn't. You never even saw the other character, really, the other person. Wow. Other, only when you were out on stage when all of us were there right before we get kicked off. That's the only time you saw them. Mm-hmm. During performances, you didn't see. Didn't I didn't know who was what, wow. what they sang, anything. It was really cool. We really saw, fun. Was there a microphone built into the mask? There's a, there's, yes. There was a – no, no, no. Well, there's a lav. It had a lav okay. on the shirt, but your handheld was live. Okay. I don't know about, I don't know about T-Pain's. I think he had – 
he had to have a microphone. There's no way because the monster was this big dome thing, and he held a, he held a microphone. It was one of the old school microphones, but it was moving all over the place. There's no way yeah. that he had to have a headset on. But you're singing live, 100%. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Koval says, not a specific question, but I want to hear some impractical Joker stories. I was just with Q the other day. He's They're here, actually, in California, shooting right now at Universal. So go see them. Um, they're nuts, man. They're fun. The, the, the fun... Craziest time so far that we actually get to hang out is during the cruises. They have an Impractical Joker cruise, which is a blast. I did not know they had their own cruise. They do their own cruise. They don't do any pranks per se, but they'll show a lot of footage. They do stuff throughout the whole day. They're they're crazy. They'll do poker tournaments. Joe does his little car ride thing. He does like a podcast, but now he does it like he'll do it live. Um, There's a couple of Space Monkeys, which is another uh, group of podcast people that come out and do it. They have a bunch of stand-ups. Last time, uh, a couple... If it was the first year or second year, they had Lisa Lampanelli, Gilbert Godfrey, so that a bunch of stand-up comedians as well. Um, it's awesome. It's a blast. They're great guys. They're funny. They're nuts out of their freaking mind. Megan wants to know, what's your fave in sync music video? So many are iconic. Hmm. Favorite in sync video. The worst and the best one, I think, was the one where we were the 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 toys. And that sucked because we were in that makeup for twenty four hours <laughs> straight, like legit. We got makeup on at 7 a.m. We didn't take it off till 7 a.m. the next morning. Oh, my God. Legit. It was like... This makes my skin itch. It really itch. sucked. Yeah. And break Great out to shoot about and it. fun. Yeah. No, it just sucked. Because they just kept applying more. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't crack. Right. It sucked. <laughs> Not fun. Uh, okay. On Twitter, Michael McGivern, what's the weirdest place NSYNC has ever performed? Weirdest place? Or like... It wasn't embarrassing, but it was one of those things where you just go, you vow to yourself that you would never do it, and we vowed to ourselves that we would probably never do it again. Um, we performed at a girl's bat mitzvah. You did? Yeah. Was that in the super duper early years? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got tons of money? Yep. <laughs> and we just kept saying, oh, I kept saying, I don't know about anybody else, I'm like, just, oh, just do it. It's only three or four songs, we'll do it. The guy flew us in private. We went and did three songs and we left, flew in, flew out, and and yeah, I just was, like, so this was not a, so this is when you guys were were this famous. was fairly in our in our pretty pretty good days, yeah. Was she like jumping out of her skin? Yeah, it was. And it all was, the kids must have. I been. wasn't mad at it. The check though, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> how many yeah. kid, how many kids were there? Twenty, maybe. That's was it. Maybe twenty, twenty five, maybe because <laughs> it was like a it was like a Jewish family, so obviously a lot of the adults, you know, the right. kids were there. But I mean, it was a big party. But we literally didn't see much. We went in, we did our songs, and we left. Yeah, I was just like, "What state just doing was this it. in?" Just, I've, I think New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, it was for a guy's big company uh, daughter. So yeah, it was interesting. Wow, you can look it up. I'm sure you'll find it somewhere. I was going to say, like, are there? <laughs> so they are, they were allowed to take footage of it and stuff. I don't even know. I don't think so. I think they may have it. But they were only allowed to, obviously, for their family. I think that was something that made one of the stipulations that we did. I, I don't remember. Honestly, right. it's been that long. But I do remember going, okay, we're just doing it just for the money. Just do it for the money. Just do it. Just, we're just we're performing. Performing. <laughs> and we looked at each other after that, like, we'll never do this ever again. And again, it's not, Why? it's weird. I don't, it just feels so wrong. Mm-hmm. Feels wrong, first of all. You're literally raping the money off of these people, first of all. But it wouldn't be fair if you just charge a low amount and go, hey, everybody, we're all going to perform for nothing. Right. It's a different story. But then on top of it, how can you say no to the money in that sense? And we've, and, and again, it did take a lot of convincing because we, there was a bunch that we, we've gotten offered many times and we turned it down. What ballpark of money are we talking about? Um, six figures, probably more, a little more, something like that. More, <laughs> more, more like seven figures. Somewhere no, between between yeah, six and seven, something like that. You go look it up now. <laughs> you can probably find it. Uh, I'm not saying it. It might not be accurate either. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then just a fun little uh, a fun little fun fact. Tony here, producer Tony, has been to a party at your house. <laughs> no, not your house. Oh, but which ones? Oh, we, guys, I, I I've been to a party at Chris Chris in Vizcaya in Orlando. Yeah. Oh God, this was sorry. probably uh, and but you, yeah, you were. I was probably there. You, I don't think you were. You were a house, jerk to him. But you're just <laughs> right. Damn it. Was <laughs> I drunk? <laughs> you were going from point A to B. Yep. <laughs> this was probably 
Sometime between 2005, 2008, probably okay. somewhere in that. And but yeah. it was probably been it was probably in Vizcaya though the place it was a because he, he was having a lot of parties at that house. Yeah, where he had the studio downstairs, was uh-huh. a pool area, pool yep. table, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I ended up there weirdly a couple of times. I used to I played in a band and I was on tour a lot, and he would like we had That's friends so that knew him, and then he would just like invite bands that came through town. Yeah, sometimes. oh no, come on, hang out. We want to do record here and shit and party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and so it was his birthday once, and then so we all went That's over there. That's probably why and I was there. We, yeah, we went to like a bar, then and had dinner, and then I remember you were oh you were God, there. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> so uh, we didn't that, meet that. That's night, a crazy. But... Yeah, Chris. Yeah, gotta love Chris, man. He had some good parties at his house. I ran away after a while. <laughs> There's a good reason why. Well, what keeps is the me reason? Out of tr- keeps me out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Get the hell out of there. Joey, thank you so much for being on the show. No problem. My pleasure. Everyone should go check out Two Cups of Joe. I'm going to be a guest on it. Yes, you are. Um, And also, we have a quick segment called How Dare You, where I ask you nosy questions. And we're going to do that as like a little Patreon bonus. So if you want to hear that, go to patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Tell everyone where to find you. Oh, wow. You can find me everywhere. Real Joey Fatone. You can find it on Instagram and Twitter, both of them. Uh, Obviously, you can see Two Cups of Joe. Uh, podcast on Podcast One as well if you want to check that out and Common Knowledge I'm plugging everything Common Knowledge we start July 15th new episodes are starting and I just shot yeah again we were talking about 130 episodes and yeah shot a bunch of those and that's going to be airing starting July 15th and uh, it's also in Practical Jokers After Party we're shooting new episodes of that and I'm actually going to be out with them for San Diego Comic Con Nice. Yeah, it was a little addition to that just recently. So you're the first people I'm telling right now. Oh, I think my I'm God. Doing, Scoop. Yeah, I'm doing like the Q&A for them. I've, I've done it a few times with them, but it's actually kind of fun. I'm going to do it at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So, yes. Very cool. Um, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen. My website's AllisonRosen.com. And check out my other podcast that I do with Greg Fitzsimmons. It's a parenting podcast called Childish. Tony, where do we find you? Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. Excellent. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. About the Allison Rosen Show We had a good time But now we gotta go Yeah, Allison Rosen